Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. a real privilege and an honour to be able to share with you all this morning. I've really loved this series that we've been looking at about the supernatural church. And there was something that Matthew said when he was with us a couple of months ago, which is something that I'm sure we all know, but it really struck me, which is that God's purposes are now being outworked through his supernatural church. And David said a couple of weeks ago that we know that Jesus is the light of the world, but did you know that we also are the light of the world? Did you know that? The purposes of God which are being outworked through the church, the church which is the light of the world, that church is us. And that means that we have the hands and the feet of God on this earth as we touch people, as we walk towards people, and as we walk into new ground. We're doing that as the supernatural hands and supernatural feet of God. We can see things with the supernatural eyes that we have that God's given us and we can hear with supernatural ears we can hear what God's saying for people and to people can't we and then we can communicate those things to people and you know what else we've got a supernatural voice God's given us a supernatural voice I'm just going to in about 30 seconds play a song for you um, which just talks about this voice that we have it talks about the authority that overarches what we say, the faith that underpins what we say, and binding and loosing, which brings creative and destructive direction to what we say. So we've got authority, faith, and binding and loosing. Does it look okay behind me there? Does that look like it's all about to happen? Good. Thanks, guys. Should now switch from one microphone to another. It's good. Your authority is in this voice. Life and death are in this tongue And you said that as we prophesy According to your will, so it will be done And you said that as we prophesy With hearts full of faith so it will be done so there's power in our voice to bind and loose that which is bound and that which is loosed and there's power in our faith to make things move mountains brought down and strongholds removed 
for the glory of the Lord, that in victory you're seated, and the devil is defeated, and we declare that circumstance will change, to line up with the truth that Jesus Christ reigns, and we declare for the glory of the Lord, that in victory you're seated, and the devil is defeated. And we declare that circumstance will change to line up with the truth that Jesus Christ reigns. Powers of darkness will be bound, lying voices hear this sound. Jesus is Lord. Doubt and worry, you must flee. Broken hearts will bow the knee to Jesus the Lord. And health and wholeness we now lose. Flesh and mind hear this truth. Jesus is Lord. and joy will be released on display for all to see that Jesus is Lord and we declare for the glory of the Lord that in victory you're seated and the devil is defeated and we declare that circumstance will change to align up with the truth that Jesus Christ reigns, for Jesus Christ reigns. Okay, I hope you can all remember all of those words. We're going to sing that together at the end. So, there's authority that overarches what we say. There's faith that underpins what we say. And there's binding and loosing that brings creative and destructive direction to what we say. The first line of that song, if you just put that up, Adam, says, your authority is in this voice. Yeah. And you think, well, what gives you the right to say that? The authority of God? The authority of God? The authority of God that spoke into creation and says, let there be light, is in my voice. Yeah, yeah, it is. Again, David said a couple of weeks ago, he talked about this dynamic of the Word of God and the Spirit of God in partnership together to bring light into creation. But did you know that that partnership, that dynamic, isn't just limited to God speaking into creation? Did you know that when Adam named the animals, that was what they were called? Adam, a man. It says in Genesis 2 and verse 19. Turn there with me if you like and we'll have a little look. The authority of God in a man's voice, in the voice of Adam, Genesis 2, and it says in verse 19, so the Lord God formed out of the ground each wild animal and each bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it, and whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name, simples. That was its name. But 
The only reason that Adam could do this was because if we turn a page earlier and look at Genesis 1 and verse 28, we see that Adam is a man who is under the authority of God. And it says in that verse, it says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so God's put Adam in this position of authority over all the creatures of the earth. And it's only because of that reason that he can speak with the authority of God to name the animals. And we see it again with Jesus in the Gospels. He's a man under the authority of God and therefore speaking with the authority of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you think, well, he was Jesus. He was God. That's quite easy. But you'll remember that it says in Philippians 2 that when Jesus came to earth, he gave up all of his divine privileges. He came fully human. And still, fully human, we read about him. John describes him. It says in John 3, 34, that John, in describing Jesus, says, God sent him, and he speaks God's words, since God gives the Spirit without measure. This person who is fully human speaks with God's words, with the authority of God. How? Because God's given him the spirit without measure. And the incredible thing is that this authority that God speaks with in creation and that Adam speaks with as God's delegated authority over the animals and that Jesus speaks with as one under the authority of his father and therefore speaking with his father's authority, this same authority is in our voices today. Turn with me to John Chapter 20, please. A supernatural voice full of authority. John chapter 20 and verse 21. It says there, Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me. Well, how did the Father send him? How did the Father send Jesus? Well, he sent him with a voice that said, Be still to the storm, and the waves calmed in an instant. He sent him with a voice that said, Get up and walk to the lame man, and he leapt to his feet. He sent him with a voice that said, Fill these jars with water, and watch and see and taste as as you pour them out, the fine wine will will be flowing. He sent him with a voice that said, be healed, be raised from the dead, have your blind eyes be opened, demon be cast out. That's the voice that God sent Jesus with. And it says in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. That's how he sends us, his disciples. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's so crucial, isn't it? Receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that works in this wonderful partnership of word of God and spirit of God to bring dynamic power and authority to what we say. And that's all fantastic, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. But how will we know what to say? We've got this amazing authoritative voice, but but how will we know what to say? How did Adam know what to call the animals? That's a thought, isn't it? How did Adam know what to call the animals? How did Jesus know the right words to say to the right people? And I got a little insight to this uh, a few months ago 
<clears throat> when I was playing with Ted in the lounge, and I was just lying on the floor on my back, and Ted was standing on my chest. I was just holding his hands, and he was standing on me, and he just went, ah! like that. I'm sure you can imagine it. <laughs> and that's a very norm normal um, incident, but God just said, just, just remember this. Just remember what's happened here. And I really felt impressed upon me that as we stand in the presence of our, of our Father, as we stand near his heart, as we stand stable and solid by our Father, it's from that place that we speak with authority. It's from that place that our voice carries that power that we've just been describing. And um, Richard talked last week about the presence of gardens and the sorts of things that we find there. And I thought it was wonderful, that reference to Aaron's staff that's in the presence. It's this staff that's full of authority, that's uh, done wonderful signs and miracles in the, in the hands of the people that have used it. And, and it's that same authority that we find in the presence of God. As we come near to our Father, as we stand secure with him near his heart and speak, that we carry that authority. You see, Adam... He had this sort of relationship with God. He had this wonderful communion with God. It was before anyone was tainted by sin, so he had this wonderful communion with God. And Jesus, time and time again, draws away to speak to his Father, to understand what his Father is doing. There's a great verse in, in John chapter 5. Don't worry about turning to it. But it says in verse 19, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son, the son also does. And this is the part I love. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. The Father loves the Son and he shows him everything that he's doing. Yeah. And it's exactly the same for us. We're all sons of God and the Father wants to show us what he's doing. So as we stand near his heart and listen to what he's got to say, we can speak with authority. Yes, Your authority is in this voice and life and death are in this tongue. That's not really such a surprising statement when you consider the authority that's in our voice. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death because it's full of the authority of God, the authority of God that created, the authority of God that brought an end to things. The next part says, and you said that as we prophesy according to your will, so it will be done. And in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23 in the Amplified Bible, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. Because he said that as we prophesy according to his will, so it will be done. Yeah. But there's another crucial part to that verse from Mark which is that we don't doubt in our heart in God's unlimited power, but be, we believe that what he said is going to take place. We can shorten those many words and call it faith. We've got to have faith. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? Do, 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 do. We've got to have faith. And so let's just pause and take a look at the faith element of things here. Hebrews 11 does a wonderful job of describing faith and what it's like and, and how it's expressed in different people's lives. And the very first verse of that chapter says that faith is the assurance of what is hoped for, and it's the conviction or the certainty of what is not seen. 
And in considering this, and particularly looking at the life of Abraham, you can describe it to say, faith is the undoubting, consistent belief in the promiser and hope in his promises. We were reminded about that this morning, weren't we? All of his promises are true. Everything that he says is yes and amen. Undoubting, consistent belief in the promiser and hope in his promises. I love Abraham's life. I love what we read about Abraham in Genesis. We're just going to do a very quick whistle-stop tour of a promise that God made to Abraham. So you can turn with me if you like, but I'm going to fly through some of these pages from Genesis 12 to Genesis chapter 22. So if you want to try and keep up, then take yourself to Genesis 12. If not, don't zone out, but uh, just listen without turning. You see, in the life of Abraham, we see that with his faith, there's a 25-year journey that boils down to a three-day walk with God, that boils down again to one amazing statement of faith, which is simply, we will come back again. We'll just explore a bit of that. But right at, at the outset, when Abraham is a mere 75 years old, God makes him a promise. And in chapter 12, and verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation. And then in verse 7, it says, I will give this land to your offspring. He's making Abraham a promise. In short, he's going to have children. And then we read in chapter 13 and verse 14. It says, look north, south, east, and west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth. He's reiterating this promise. There's a promise to Abraham. He's 75 years old and he's receiving this promise from God. In chapter 15, we see that God is reiterating this promise again because Abraham's not quite sure how it's going to work out. He's 75 years old. He's been promised children, but he's not sure. And in verse 4 of that chapter, it says that the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. You know, the word of God never changes. This consistent word of God never changes. And he said to him, your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. It's very Lion King, isn't it? Come and count the stars in the sky. You can just imagine Mufasa saying that to Simba. Or just, just me, maybe. But it says that Abraham believed the Lord in verse 6 and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the word of God, the never-changing word of God. He believed it. And then we see that there's a bit of almost a diversion to the promise. You see, in chapter 16, we read about how Sarai says to Abraham that maybe they should conceive through one of her slaves. And Abraham says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So that's what happens. And we see that in verse 16 of chapter 16. It says, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar brought Ishmael to him. And this for me is a very sad exchange between verse 16 of chapter 16 and verse 1 of chapter 17. Because we skip from Abraham being 86 years old, having this baby boy, 
to him being 99 years old. And there's 13 years of Ishmael's life that we don't read about. There's 13 years that weren't in the best plan and promise of God that we don't read about there. So God comes again and he reiterates his promise when Abraham's 99 years old. By this time, it's been 24 years since the promise of God has come to him. 24 years, that's a long time. And God says to him, he's going to multiply him greatly. He says he's going to change his name to Abraham, the father of many nations, and he's going to change Sarai's name to Sarah, and he's going to bless her and give Abraham a son by her. He reiterates this promise. And then, finally, a few pages over, in chapter 21, the first few verses of that chapter say, the Lord came to Sarah, as he has said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the appointed time, God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. 25 years after God has said, I'm going to make the nations proceed after your son. 25 years. We then see that Abraham has to send Ishmael away because Sarah says, it's not a good situation we've got here. You need to send Ishmael away. And again, there's this very sad moment where Abraham has to decide to send his young teenage son away from him, away from family life with him, send his son away. And you know, I don't appreciate that we'll probably have situations as severe as this But what I do believe is that there'll be certain things that we may have to give up, that we may have to lay aside, that we've invested love and time and attention into that aren't in the the best promise and purpose of God. If we're pursuing the promises of God, there may be certain things that we have to cast aside so that we can pursue after him with all that we have. And so this 25-year stretch of Abraham's faith comes down to chapter 22, when in a bizarre turn of events, the promise of God, which is about to be fulfilled, God says, Abraham, I want you to kill him. These few verses are cross-referenced with James 2, 21, which is a very well-known verse, is that faith without works is dead. And that is what's happening here. That's the reference that we have. And so... God says to Abraham, I want you to to kill your son. I want you to sacrifice him. And there's this three-day walk that Abraham takes with God. I can't quite imagine the conversations that were happening between them on that walk. But what I do know is that somewhere along the way, Abraham got to a point within himself where he had a fresh revelation of God to be able to say, God, I believe in you, the promiser. My hope is in your promise. And if this is what you're telling me to do, then I know that above all things you've exalted your name and your word. I know who you are. I know that you're the promiser. I know what your promise is. He gets to that point, and then it says in verse 4, that on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we will come back to you. 
What an amazing statement of faith. To be able to get to a place within yourself that you say, Lord, even if I have to kill my son so that you will raise him from the dead because your promise is that nations will proceed from him, I will do as you say. That's incredible. Could you imagine that situation? That's how strong his faith was. And that's what backed his statement, we will come back again. We will come back again. And we know the story that he goes to, to do as God has said, and thankfully, God jumps in at the last minute. He says, stop what you're doing. I can see your faith. Incredible. And so, the next part says, there's power in our faith to make things move. Mountains brought down and strongholds removed. That's the kind of faith that we're seeing in Abraham here. There's power in our voice to bind and loose that which is bound and that which is loosed. And just finally, just um, as, a, as a summary really, I just want to touch on, on binding and loosing. If you would turn with me please to Matthew chapter 16, we'll just see what Jesus has to say about it. Don't you think it's amazing that the authority of God overarches everything that we say? And that the faith that we can have as we put our hope and our trust in God can underpin what we say so much that we can make statements like, we will come back again. It's awesome. In Matthew 16, and verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. I'm just going to read some of those verses again. From uh, This is a new translation for you folks. You won't have probably heard or seen this one before. It's called the W-L-A-M-P, the W-Lamp, if you will. It's the William Lyon Amplified Translation. But just in consideration of what we talked about today, the authority and the faith that are overarching and underpinning what we say, I'd like to give this rendering. Um, just be gracious to me, would you? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one, anointed to carry out signs and wonders and miracles and speak powerful, powerful words because you are the son of the living God. You're in total submission to your all-powerful, all-authoritative father, you obey his every command. And so he has delegated and invested all his authority in you as his son. You are full of authority. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because you have surely supernaturally seen God, my father in heaven. Surely your certainty, your conviction is in what is not physically seen. 
Surely this is faith, pleasing to God, for you to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not seen. Simon, as you see me with these eyes of faith, a son submitted to and therefore moving in and speaking with the authority of his father, so it will be for you, Peter. You will find that your identity is as solid as a rock in the fact that you are my son, moving in my authority, sent on my behalf. And so it will be that as the church sees who I am and who I have made them to be by the power of my Holy Spirit, so it will be that the gates of hell will not stand against the powerful advance of my kingdom through my church. How will it happen, you ask? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that you can open the door and draw near to me and stand in my presence and hear my heart and understand my will and see more and more what is already bound in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven and what is already loosed in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And so that from that place, with prayerful and prophetic voices, which have this undertone of, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, so that you'll be glorified. With these voices that are full of authority and faith, you can bind and you can loose on earth as it is in heaven. And so really the question is, what has God promised to us? When we've stood in his presence, when we've heard his heart, what has God said to us that we can apply authority and faith to and speak out as a powerful act of binding and loosing? And there's just a few suggestions in the bridge. That's just a technical music phrase, don't worry. In the bridge of the song here, which says, sorry, um, powers of darkness, part, Adam. Powers of darkness will be bound. Lying voices. Linda made reference to, to lying voices earlier, didn't she? Lying voices. Hear this sound. Jesus is Lord. Doubt and worry, you must flee. Broken hearts. Maybe your own, maybe hearts of those you know who have had bad experiences in church or bad experiences with family. They will bow the knee to Jesus the Lord. Health and wholeness. Is anyone sitting in a haven of health right now? This place is a haven of health. That's the word of God to us as a church. Health and wholeness, we now loose. Flesh and mind, hear this truth. Health isn't just for the body. Healthy minds. Healthy minds. Sound minds. Peaceful minds. Happy minds. Hear this truth. Jesus is Lord. Life and joy be released. What a thing to loose. Life and joy be released by the authority and the faith in our words today, Lord God. Life and joy be released as we sing this refrain. On display for all to see that Jesus is Lord. And the chorus for us just sums up, which we declare for the glory of the Lord. It's all for God's glory. It's not to make us look cool, (laughs) that we do some signs and wonders and it looks good. No, it's for the glory of God because God loves to be glorified and he's so worthy of being glorified. In victory he's seated and the devil is defeated. Praise God. We declare that circumstance will change to line up with the truth that Jesus Christ reigns. Shall we just sing this together in closing? Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.